Good morning, good afternoon, whatever time of day it is that you are listening. Folks, thank you very, very much for listening. The day today is the 26th of August, year of our Lord, 2020. Welcome to the inaugural episode, the pilot episode, the introductory episode, synonyms of the Motown Rundown, hosted by yours truly, uh, Motown Noah. And I'm joined by my co-host, my brother, and he is going to fill you in a little bit on what this show is going to be about, when it's going to air and where you can find us on social media. So, Matthew, go ahead and take it away. Yeah, so as Nick just mentioned, I am his... Did you say I was your brother? I don't remember if you said that part. I did say that. Yeah, so we got the brothers going on here. Um, I, I The format here, Nick mentioned he's the, the host, I'm the co-host. It was more so my idea, my background right now is more of sports fandom as opposed to sports reporting. Uh, I do a lot of movie stuff on the side. Shout out to Milk Movies. But with this podcast... It's going to be both of us going through sports stuff. Um, what did we say? 45 minutes or so for a podcast? It's probably going to be a little bit longer because it's the two of us. It won't be like 20 minutes or anything. But Correct. Yeah. So we'll think more like 45 minutes or so, maybe up to an hour. Um, the general format, we'll kind of figure it out as we go. But as of right now, we're just going to have our 10 things to touch on or our 10 things to talk about. Take that with a grain of salt. We're going to try to format it like that. Um, obviously in an ideal world, it's going to pertain to Detroit sports, which right. is not that was my next, but that is that was my next uh, point. Yes. Yeah. So it's a Detroit sports focused podcast, obviously Montown, Motown rundown. Um, but obviously right now, the only Detroit thing we have going on as we're recording this, the tigers, the NBA draft lottery just happened. Um, obviously with sports being all over the board, it's going to be hard to talk about only Detroit all the time. Um, but Again, a Detroit sports podcast. We're still going to talk, try to talk about everything as we can. Even NFL Lions camp. Forgot that that's going on. Um, yes. So, yeah. So just a lot of that. I know you mentioned social media too. You can find us on Twitter right now. Uh, we'll see about Instagram, but as of right now, Twitter. We are at Motown Rundown. But keep in mind that the Rundown. Someone already took Motown Rundown, which was infuriating. Motown, as you'd expect, M O T O W N. The rundown just takes out all the vowels, R-N-D-W-N. So Motown Rundown on Twitter. All right. So the first thing that we're going to jump into today after that lovely introduction by Matthew, um, as he did mention, the lottery did just conclude last week. The playoffs were like a, uh, about a week and a half deep into the playoffs, and there's been a lot of exciting action. But unfortunately, that has not included uh, our Detroit Pistons. So we the only thing we had to look forward to, and it was admittedly really nice uh, to have a night where as a Pistons fan or just as a fan, you know, I guess any of these teams that were in the lottery, except for like the tail end of it, these teams who are bad basketball teams, there was a night at like this 30 minute slot, this time window that was dedicated to us. And it was really fun uh, to be like, hey, look, the Pistons kind of matter right now. Like they're talking about us on TV. I was not a fan of the fact that they spent like there was like a five minute feature about Steph and the Warriors and like, oh, look at this crazy arc that they're on. It's like, stop. This is a night for bad basketball teams. Stop focusing on the Warriors. Um, the Pistons went into the night with the fifth most ping pong balls, fifth best odds to land the number one overall pick. Now, it was important to keep in mind for Pistons fans that in the last 13 lotteries, we have moved up zero times and we had fallen five times. Uh, throw another log on the fire because we've now fallen down six times. Pistons fall to seventh overall. Now, my argument is that this is probably the best thing that could have happened to the Pistons. The The sweet spot, I guess, would have been maybe three to five. But at the end of the day, seven isn't really the worst thing 
that could have happened. Um, the, 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 the prize for Pistons fans, you can say it was Lamella Ball, you can say it was Anthony Edwards, but I feel like the safest pick was always going to be Killian Hayes or maybe even Tyrese Halliburton. Um, so at seven, it's a draft where we were so we, we, we desperately needed the order to be set so we could finally decide, is this player going to be available here? Is this player not? Like Killian Hayes, I think it's really 50-50 if he's available at seven. I would actually maybe even say it's 60-40 in favor of him being there at seven, um, just because it's very clear that nobody has any idea where to value him. You have some mock drafts where he's going fourth, and then you have other ones like ESPN's most recent one where he's going 14th. So people very, like, in the, it's it's just kind of a who's who of, like, where is this player going to go? Tyrese Halliburton sometimes goes, like, third. Sometimes he goes 12th. You kind of never know. So it's going to be really interesting to see where these actual organizations value a lot of these guys. I think James Wiseman's probably the one that you and I are going to be most intrigued to see like, where, where do people think he's going to go? Because some people think, I mean, if this was six months ago, James Wiseman, we're talking about a guy who's, who might go number one. And I, now no, it's no, like, I wouldn't even say Michael. I, there was definitely a time where I was like, nope, he's going number one. Right. And then I, I, he leaves Memphis and then he doesn't play organized basketball for actually, I don't recall when exactly he left Memphis, but, um, you know, there are so many options. And if, if you don't want to go with a point guard, which would be a little bit of a travesty, because even Matthew is somebody like yourself who doesn't watch every single Pistons game. It's very it's clear that the need is for a point guard. So you have other options. You have Okongawu from USC. You have Devin Vassell from Florida State. You have Isaac Okoro from Auburn. Uh, those two wing options. Then you have a guy like Obi Toppin. And I was thinking about this earlier today. Now... Obviously, we as fans, we miss March Madness. We were heartbroken that March Madness wasn't a thing this year, especially as Michigan State fans. It's like, man, we're never going to see Cassius Winston play another game for Michigan State ever again. And Xavier Tillman as well, but especially Cassius Winston. I think, obviously, it sucks for fans that it didn't happen, but it also sucks a lot for the players who, you know, you look at March Madness as, as a time where a lot of these players get to showcase and, and really, you know, play on, on this big stage. I look at Dante DiVincenzo as a perfect example. Remember, he goes off in the national championship game for Villanova against Michigan. He has like the little wink in the camera. You remember that? And it was like, wow, this guy can play. And then Milwaukee took the chance on him. And I was like, you guys just got duped. And it turns out, no, Dante DiVincenzo is amazing. A player where kind of the same thing, but it didn't really happen was Luke Hancock from Louisville. Remember him? Um, remember the guy who, yeah. No, I do remember. That. I remember him. You saying what he didn't do anything in the NBA. No, what? that's not that's, so that's what I'm saying is so it's like the opposite where he had ah, that yes, shine okay, okay. and it got and it got him a spot on a run, but it didn't it didn't turn out to, you know, to, to amount to anything. So Obi Toppin is a guy who I think we were really curious to see when he gets into the into the tournament. How is he going to perform? Because the biggest knock on him was Dayton's offense is amazing. They're not playing the best teams. My questions with with Obi Toppin aren't can you score at the next level? Cause I think he can. It's the same thing with Lomelo. It's like, what can you do for me on the opposite end of the floor? Cause I'm worried that like defensively you're going to be out of the league in like five years. Cause if you, his stance is, is terrible. His, his shoulders are always the complete wrong way. His, his vertical, um, his, it's what's the word I'm looking for. I guess. Yeah. His, his vertical ability is, is terrible. Um, lateral quickness. That is what I'm looking for. Um, is bad. Obi Toppin is a fundamentally bad defender. If I can see how bad you are defensively, that means you're really bad. So watching him play against those uh, higher tier opponents would have been really interesting. So Matthew, my question to you now is as a fan, is there anybody who, because I know that, well, I'll just let you say this because I know that there's a, a the two players that you have in mind. I don't know if it's a joke or not. But when I asked you about this the other day, you're smiling because you, now, you, now, you, now I know we're on the same page. Yep. 
Go ahead and tell me your plan for the Pistons in the draft. Well, my as a pure fan, you mentioned Michigan yeah. State. I'm not even saying like actually draft them. There's no way you don't try to give Cassius and Xavier Tillman a shot. Yeah, I, I, mean, I genuinely someone like, will. Yeah, there's a better chance that Tillman has, um, I guess, a higher upside or more of a realistic NBA future. You gotta, you can't not give Cassius Winston the chance. I know that there's some bias in that as a, as a Spartan fan, um, but leadership is obviously huge. And I'm, I'm not even going that because a lot of it is going to be a bias. When you were talking about Obi Toppin and his lack of defensive prowess, it made me think of one of the most prominent issues in a lot of the prospects that are coming out today. Um, I have been, I've kind of, I've gone back and forth on players going straight from high school to the NBA. Yeah, you've this is but this has been we've gotten into like several arguments about this right. over the years, and I I think I don't know where you are now, so keep going with what you were saying. Yeah, so this is based on the defensive thing, so I'm not trying to like completely change the subject. Um, do you? I'll get I'll get my point out there first. I don't have a problem with players skipping college. I don't Great. think they need the college game. I do think that. I don't want to make this decision for them. I still think they need some sort of development. Sometimes they don't. I don't like there's no question about that. There are plenty of people that them wasting a year before they get to the NBA is a waste. But there are so many guys that from their standpoint, from a franchise's standpoint, it's just it seems like a waste a lot of the time when you have them taking up a roster spot in the league and they're just not doing anything or it takes three, four years before you actually have any sort of idea of what you have. And you could have done something different with that spot. Again, you have 15 guys on the roster, especially with the advent of the G league. Now Um, there are a lot of different opportunities, but my thinking is if you're not going to college, I would much prefer you. I don't want to say be forced to, but like you got to spend a year in the G league. Yeah, I mean that's a really because you just kind of alluded to it. That's a really popular thing now, and I, I I'm blanking on both of their names right now. But two major recruits actually just both elected to do that. Right. I don't know. I remember if it's for next season or the year following. And then obviously the biggest thing was as Michigan State fans, we know that the likelihood that Imani Bates plays at Michigan State is really really low, and that is because right. either the 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 NCAA will abol- abolish the one and done rule. Something's going to happen where you can go from high school to the NBA or. Because he's going to opt to take the uh, the G League route now. If I, I think it's it's in Michigan State's favor, if the one and done rule is still a thing, um, if if that's not taken away, then I do think Amani Bates will play at Michigan State rather versus I don't know how to articulate this. Do you kind of get what I'm saying? So no, if I, the one and done thing, yeah. if it's if things are the way that they are today, I think he will play at Michigan State. He wants if to the be one there. and done rule is gone. I yeah I agree. From, from what I, he's been saying and a lot of the other recruits we have in, coming in. It's not even so much that like Amani Bates just wants to play at Michigan State, like with Tom Izzo. Those guys all want to play together on the same team, yes. which I, I think that means a lot when you get a lot of guys or a singular recruiting class that's like, no, we want to get in there together. We want to win a championship. They're not just there because they have to be. They actually want right. to do something. And not to cut you off, but just to go back to my defensive point, with a lot of those guys where it takes three, four years for them to 
kind of figure out who they are in the league, where their skills actually lie, where they need to get better. Teams figuring out, like, is this guy part of our future? Are we moving on from him? Like, what's the deal? There's so many guys where, and for good reason, like, obviously the way the game is played today and the way that players are developed and taught, defense isn't as much of a priority as bat- or as a offense. It, it, I think from the way that people are being groomed, it's work on your offense now, get every, get all those pieces on the table. Defense can come later. All you have to do is exist on the other end of the court and that'll at least do you some good. Where do you see the future of that going? Because obviously you see someone like Giannis, who I'm not saying that anybody is like, we're going to get our next Giannis in a few years, but you get someone like him who like with his freakish size, he developed his offense from like, I don't want to say nothing, but like the growth that he's had in the last few years to go from um, struggling on both ends of the court in a sense to being, he's going to do whatever he wants. And he just won the defensive player of the year. So that's something like, we're like, I don't know how much he was considered or thought of, of like, oh, this guy will eventually win that award to like, nope, he is hands down like the best defender in the league. So I just don't see where the development of the defensive end of the court is going to go in the future. Well, I don't think it's going to go anywhere particularly. I, I don't know. Like, these Matisse Thibels and these Marcus Smarts of the world and these Patrick Beverly's of the world, where it's like, well, Patrick Beverly's not a great example, and Marcus Smart, I guess, isn't either because he's been in the league for a few years. But you get what I'm saying? These, yeah. like, defensive-minded players, I don't know that... it. I, I think they're going to be just as rare in five years as they are today because with the evolution of, of social media, it's like, I'm, I guess maybe you do see a few more defensive highlights today than normally you would, but ultimately, the uh, people are going to prioritize like Steph pulling up from 35 feet, or Damian Lillard hitting a 40 foot shot, or Luka Doncic hitting a 27 foot step back. Like that's just more entertaining. I can think off the top of my head. I mean, Marcus Smart had a highlight uh, to to open the year. I think it was against the Clippers, where it was like a play that uh, everyone was like, "Put it in the Hall of Fame." I, I'm not. I'm not going to be able to describe the play because it's not going to be interesting to listen to rather than to see it, but. Uh, those defensive highlights are really fun, but ultimately it's the offensive ones that stick in your mind. So I think people are just there's a more of a more motivation, a, more a drive for these people to work on their offensive games. Like, why do we know Lamelo Ball? What's the when was the what's what's one of the first memories you have of Lamelo Ball? I don't know if it's one of my first, but like the first one that comes to mind is pointing at half court and pulling up. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And then after that, you think ninety two. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. When he had 92 points, right? Like, that's what we think about. I don't think about the guy who recorded, like, 15 steals because we don't hear about that guy. We appreciate those people, and we really, really love them. And, I mean, people who, I guess, pay attention to the game and, the, I guess, the purists uh, value them just as much as the offensive guys. Like, Tony Allen is just important defensively as, like, Blake Griffin is offensively for the Pistons, if I can get away with saying that. Like, defense matters a lot. And but as far as the development goes, seeing these defensive minded players coming out, I don't know that it's ever going to be in a better place. I guess because more so it's just not int- it's just not fun for people to, I guess, promote that. I don't know. I guess you kind of. When I was asking that question, I don't think I worded it perfectly, so I know it was a little bit hard to navigate around that. When you said that defensive stars in the league are going to be just as rare five years from now as they are today. That was more so my point. I think they will be more rare, or I'm worried they will be more rare Oh yeah, five years from now. Whereas, like, I don't know. I mean, things go in waves. For all we know, five, ten years from now, it's going to be defense is king. That's not going to happen. But yeah. I think it'd be interesting if things started to take a turn like that. 
Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you at all. I, I that's I think that's a legitimate concern, and I don't really have anything to add to it because I I mean I kind of just said, but um, yeah, I think you're completely right to feel that way. Um, and that, but, I, I guess maybe that's what's a little bit interesting about the going into the draft this year for the Pistons is, you know, if if Ed Stefanski's philosophy of drafting the best available player, which he has uh, explicitly said, is going to be the plan. Now that was said before Troy Weaver. Uh, the new GM was hired, so I don't know if there was a, a, a you know a change of philosophy there. But um, for all intents and purposes, I, I think generally every year you go into the draft thinking we want to get the best guy that's there. And Troy Weaver has since said, you know, we're drafting um, a person, not a player, right? They want the right guy. That has some serious Stanley Johnson vibes to me. Um, and I'm gonna be like, you can l- listen. I we love Stanley. Not all of us love Stanley, but I. You know, loved stanley johnson i miss swear him so by much him. but you're gonna swear by him but the dude's in year four and he has trouble making layups so it's at some point you just gotta good for him for hitting game-winning shots with the toronto raptors in the bubble like it was awesome it was a great shot he played eight minutes scored five points but one of them was the game winner awesome so with detroit this year it's like if obi toppin is that guy that's available okay is he the guy that's gonna follow in blake griffin's footsteps that's fine but that's one heck of a project, man, and you can you can settle with like Isaac Okoro, and I think that's where the the importance of getting that second pick somewhere in this draft comes in. Is uh you know if you let's say you keep seven and by I don't know by what means the Pistons would be able to do this uh, unless it's trading Luke Kennard, which I I hope they don't do, but it, right now it seems like the only way they can acquire an additional pick is if they move Luke. Again, I do not want that to happen, but let's just call it what it is. If that does occur, um, you keep seven, you have a pick somewhere between 14 and like 28. Maybe it's a second rounder. I don't know. That's the best case scenario because it alleviates the pressure of drafting a point guard with that first pick. If if Tyrese Halliburton and Isaac Okoro are right there for you and you really want Okoro, you can do that and you can get the defensive wing uh, with, in, 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 with thinking that later in the draft you're going to pick up Theo Maladon. Or you're going to get, I don't know, Trey Jones. Or if it's in the second round, you're going to get Cassius Winston or maybe Marcus Howard. Like, I don't know. If it's in the second round and they're looking at a point guard, if it's Nico Mannion, I'm not a Pistons fan anymore. Um, but do you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that is what is so essential about having that second pick this year. Philadelphia has four of them. And if they're going to have this crazy fire sale on Al Horford, like I know there's a trade proposal out there where somebody thinks that Al Horford and three first round picks are going to come to Detroit in exchange for Tony Snell. Get out of here with that because that's not going to happen. But there is a world where the only way the Sixers are going to get off Al Horford's contract is by giving up that draft capital. And Detroit should, I mean, honestly be interested in that. And if it means losing Blake Griffin, that really sucks. But if for him it's in pursuit of a championship, I'm okay with that. Because at the end of the day, if you're able to acquire draft capital either this year or next year or maybe in the Imani Bates draft, um, I'm all for that. And I would be I'd be very excited. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm I guess we didn't address this in the beginning. The way we're gonna cover the Detroit sports teams, Nick is gonna be what? Well, what's up? You did say this. That you're going to be like all pit. No, I didn't. I'm sorry. I know where you're going with this. I apologize. Keep going. Yeah. Nick's going to be, what, 99% Pistons, 1% Lions, zero Red Wings and Tigers. Throw in some retro Red Wings talk. Yeah. From um, like 10 years ago. <laughs> so Nick's going to be our Pistons guy. I will very much be coming in from a fan perspective, obviously being Nick's brother. I'm going to 
know like as much as he knows or be able to understand the points that he's making i, I didn't mean know as much as you know but if you're yeah. saying something like i will have heard it before yes because um, yeah yeah um I'll be covering the Lions. Um, I don't have the the resume on the Lions the way that you do with the Pistons. Um, But that's, I live and die by the Lions, which is not easy. Um, But I will be able to cover them, hopefully, as well as you're able to cover the Pistons. Uh, I think the Red Wings would come in third in what we're going to discuss. But again, with how bad the Red Wings and the Tigers are, it's just going to be when something relevant happens that we're going to be able to cover them. Um, But I would say Pistons we're going to be talking about probably the most because they are just there's more to talk about with the team, like at the NBA. Uh, yeah. Lions second, Red Wings kind of a distant third, and Tigers going to be tough. But, but we are going to so, try to cover all four teams. We're going to put a bow on this very quickly, and we're going to do that. Maybe we could do this uh, as individual episodes. So so we'll, maybe I'll put a pin in this, but I am curious, just off the cuff before we have time to think about it, as a parting gift for our, our new listeners here, hmm. pick a team. Pick a Detroit sports team. Any of them. The Lions. Pick your all-time favorite Detroit Lion. That's what we'll end on. Me? Oh, don't say Matthew Stafford, though, because it's Matthew Stafford. Give me, give me like, growing up, who were you like, I love that guy? Kevin Jones. Running back. That's Number probably 34. it. I love, yeah. I really liked Kevin Jones. He was, like, literally, the, him and Roy Williams were the only reasons to be yeah. like, oh, we have a sports team in Detroit. Um, yes. So I would say, without a doubt, they were those two. John Kitna. I hated growing up because obviously own 16 wasn't fun. We just weren't good with him under the helm, but I have yeah. heard in recent years that in terms of the guys that got to play with him uh, outside of Detroit, obviously, or I guess even in Detroit, they said that he is just like a dog. They said that he is crazy smart. Um, he's a really, really good leader. He's just a good guy. Um, and he knows what he's talking about. So I've, I gained a lot of respect for Kitna after that. And then funny enough, after I heard that just a few days later on Instagram, for whatever reason, I came across some John Kitna highlights and watching him throw a football again was a rough was that time. About 45 seconds. The highlights. Yeah. How long was that tape? Well, I don't know how long it was, but I didn't watch for Couldn't very have long. Been that long. No, I watched yeah, like I three mean, throws and I was like, what are you doing guy? What is this guy doing? Yeah. I think I, that comparatively, I guess, um, I can talk about basketball. I don't know if I would be a great coach and I don't think I'd be a great player. You know what I mean? Um, I guess for me, I don't know. I was a big DeAndre Levy fan. I don't know why. Yeah. And that's kind of a little bit past us growing up, right? So I guess I guess maybe Roy Williams is probably a really good pick. Dre Bly was another oh, one. I loved I think Dre Bly. Dre Bly, I yeah. loved him. Um, I'm trying to think. Wasn't there? I, don't, I always liked Louis Delmas. Louis Delmas, safety. Yeah. Um, yep. again, that's not, we weren't growing up when he was on the team. Um, we were, uh, kind of, yeah. He's the same time as DeAndre Levy. Yeah, that's fair. There, I, there was so many guys. I, <clears throat> if I, if you look back at like maybe Sean Rogers, remember, here's oh. what I remember about Sean Rogers. This is, we'll end it on this. I remember Sean Rogers Lions, I believe are five and two. We have a home game against the Denver Broncos that we won, I think 44 to six. And Sean Rogers took a, a fumble to the house. I I believe it made us six and two. And we lost, I think, every game to end the season. And I, I think that was two thousand and seven. Um actually I know for a fact it was. I know because I remember yeah. that day vividly. Um Um, no. So there was a season I know you're not wrong. There was a season, if I remember correctly, we started seven and two, and then we finished seven and nine. 
And then there was a season where we started six and two, but we finished nine and seven. Gotcha. And I think you're talking about the seven and two, eventually seven and nine season. Could be. Yeah. They all blend together. Yeah, you know, there's a point. There's a point where you're just like, yeah, that probably happened. But I this is know. the year. This is it's the not. year. This is the year. No, I, like, this I, is this the is, year. This is last year. I felt that way. And then you have the Kansas City game. and You're like, oh, OK. So this is just last year all over again with Atlanta. Or I'm sorry, two years ago with Atlanta. Those games are just all you had to do was put a spy on Mahomes with what, like fourth and nine or fourth and 10. All you had to do was put a spy, but instead you let him scramble for 25 yards and the chiefs win that game. It's the same thing with the Falcons, man. And I maintain to this day, no golden Tate was not in, he was down, but it was about the fact that we had time to either just have Stafford put the ball over the line or spike the ball. Right? So that's a whole different thing. Uh, Matthew, do you have any closing thoughts or can we wrap this thing up? Why don't you give out the Twitter handle one more time? Yeah, so on Twitter, we are at Motown Rundown. Remember, in Rundown, the vowels are taken out. So M-O-T-O-W-N-R-N-D-W-N. And then for now, the plan is to have episodes drop every Thursday. So we'll just have an episode a week. Um, We're going to kind of feel out the schedule as we see fit, just with our schedules and whatever else is going on. Uh, but right now you can expect episodes on Thursday. I'll put out notifications and stuff on Twitter for you to see. So remember to follow us at Motown Rundown. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very, very much for tuning into the inaugural episode of the Motown Rundown. We will catch you guys in the next one.